So I had a dream, and in this dream, I was in lockdown in a school gym. So in the dream, I ask everyone around me if it's okay if I'm sitting the way that I'm sitting, because we're all sitting on the floor. And this also includes a teenage girl named Rina Sawayama, who, if you don't know, is an indie pop artist who arguably released the best pop album of this year. But I got a teenage version of her in my dreams. <laughs> and uh, she says, yeah, it's okay that I'm sitting the way I'm sitting. So I continue laying backwards with the top of my head um, toward the speaker. So there's somebody who's speaking at the front of the auditorium. Or I don't think they're speaking yet, but they're about to. And I guess it looks like I'm ignoring him. Um, so my friend holds my hand. Then this blonde woman, um, who looks like she's a teacher or a guidance counselor or some type of admin, walks over me. Like, she walks over my body and she looks down with glasses on and she doesn't say anything, but that's normal. <laughs> and then my friend, I don't even know which friend this is. This is just some person I imagined. We're holding hands, remember? And so she moves up our hands to itch her leg and my hand accidentally rubs up against Rena's outer thigh and she goes up her lip with disgust before I can say sorry and I, I say it anyway I'm like sorry <laughs> um just marry me <laughs> then my friend calls me a rapist as a joke a nice snarl and then Rena looks upset and she takes my laptop. She has my laptop. I don't know. <laughs> um, which is in her lap and she moves away from me and from the rest of us. And I feel really bad because I'm like, oh shit, like I didn't mean to cause a kerfuffle or make her feel uncomfortable. But at the front of the, the gym is a male speaker. It's the principal. And he begins this assembly and he starts playing a documentary all about our quarantine. Then Charlie XCX, my favorite pop star in the world right now, shows up in the documentary with a glittery, sparkly silver text uh, of her name on a felt black t-shirt. I think it's like a, I can't remember if it's like a crop top or whatever, but anyway, she looks bomb. And she looks like she's on the set of her video, Blame It On Your Love, you know, the video with Lizzo. But she's with a bunch of random kids. And none of them are as feverish about seeing her as I am, which is to be expected. So at this point, I can hear Rena in the distance during this like kind of like noisy assembly. Because I guess people are talking while the, the principal's speaking. Rena's like playing my music from off my laptop. And I can tell she's going through my folders. And this is definitely a violation, but like... I let her and the music is really pleasing and for whatever reason I imagine this benefiting me somehow like because she seems to be really into the music anyway the documentary that's being played continues and starts playing these early 1990s hip-hop R&B tunes including SWV's right here Human Nature Remix and a shopkeeper on a random graffiti looking fenced hill begins talking and the music changes and I start crying i get up to what feels like less friends than before around me like i i don't know they suddenly dispersed um <laughs> and they ask what's wrong and i say i miss parties and bouncing off the wall to these songs and it was like the first time the quarantine really hit me this hard 
And Rena's just like in the distance, you know, playing one of my unreleased new songs and has opened up a program somehow um, that plays piano. And she's just like playing piano to my music, figuring out, I guess, the chord or the melody. And I spot her learning my song and that's where the dream ends. On Saturday, it was the day after we received the news that we were going back into lockdown. So it was interesting to then have a dream about being in lockdown in a gym um, where there was going to be a documentary about a, about quarantine. Um, so I guess I can I can see the connection there and seeing that like in, in Toronto now we're in a second lockdown. That's where I'm situated we already can have a first documentary about quarantine, which is which is a wild thought to think about in this moment. It was a bit of a, a time travel thing. I was back to where I was when I was like 14, 15, maybe 16. So yeah, I was I was a a teenager with my teenage friends and you know, also aware that there were adults around. For example, that blonde woman that passed by, um, the principal who's speaking. Just even, like, me trying to find a way that I could sit comfortably and not take this sort of lockdown seriously. I was, like, very, like, teenager of me. Whereas I think if that were me now, if it was, like, let's say, like, in the dream I was an adult, I think I, would, I wouldn't I would be near the, the teenagers. <laughs> I'd be, like, it, probably one of the teachers I was, like, maybe the, the, the blonde men who walked over me, I'd probably be more in that position just because it's, like, oh, okay, like, <laughs> not trying to hang out. <laughs> I don't know, there's something, like, very, like, I think I felt, like, very, like, carefree and just, like, fun and, like, missing that kind of, like, closeness with my friends. Like, uh, all of us just kind of hanging out. So, it's yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since I've been around, like, a group of my friends. I was asking my friends if the way I was sitting was okay because I think it was a bit of the fact that I was sitting with my head in my friend's lap. So that's like an, one thing where I wanted to make sure if they were comfortable with that. I also wanted to make sure that like I also had my legs open toward my friend who was sitting, I guess, like in front of me, but behind me in terms of like where the optics are, or how the optics are set up in the gym. So I want to make sure that it wasn't like discomforting for them. I was kind of just doing like a, a checkpoint just to make sure everyone was good. I think it's just like a, a very me thing to do. It's kind of like my, oh, like, you know, I just want to make sure that everyone in the space feels good and feels comfortable and, you know, want to keep that as a consistent thing. I was still in the same thought pattern of making sure everyone was okay. And so when I accidentally touched Rena's leg, I was like, oh no, like <laughs> this moment that I've tried to secure and make safe for everyone is now on the brink. You know, it could suddenly like fall apart. And so I was really concerned about that. I don't know what was going on for her, but I think it was that moment when she looked back at me and like she curled up her lip. I was like, okay, not okay. She doesn't want to be you know, like, bothered in this moment. And I think the joke about me being a rapist escalated it and took it to a place that was uncomfortable for her. And so she got up 
and she went away. When I heard the joke, my immediate reaction was, oh no, that's not okay. Trying to like subtly deal with it because it's a very large, like even though it's like it, it, it was meant to be funny and I feel like it's the kind of thing that like teenagers find funny because they're kind of exploring concepts and stuff. But like, I, I think for me in that moment, I was like, oh no, like that's that's exactly what we don't want here. That we want everyone to feel that like everyone's good within their own bodies and have their boundaries respected. So then I felt guilty and in some way responsible, even though it was accidental, just because of the way it was immediately framed. Like I couldn't even really get out sorry before you know, that joke was made and it's kind of like once it's made, it kind of just made the moment. So I was like, okay, well, this is all I can do is like damage control from here. I think music comes up through Rina Sawayama because it is one of the albums I listened to during quarantine and one of the records I'm really excited about in terms of like the themes it explores, like chosen family and sometimes being a bad friend and, you know, consumerist culture. And so I think those are things where I'm like, oh, like, I think about pop songs a lot now where I'm like, oh, like, what can you actually do in a pop song, you know? Um, and, you know, what can we do with this form? So I think having Rena there is like, I'm looking toward her to explore more of what I can do as an artist. So Charlie XCX also dropped a quarantine album that I really love, and it's called How I'm Feeling Now. But I thought it was interesting that she showed up in the quarantine documentary, like, because it's like, we got our first quarantine pop album, you know? Um, Just totally made at home from a major label artist anyway. So I think that was something that was really significant and special to me. But I think also the, the crying was like, Listening to Charlie's album, it makes me feel like I want to, like, bounce off the walls and and rave and party and and do all of that. Then my reaction to the 90s music playing, like, I think I'm in a process of exploring the 90s and my own music. And so, yeah, kind of, like, all connected in in one sense to the, the moment that I'm in now. Crying for me has been something that has been shameful that I was taught. But I think with my friends, I don't mind it as much because a lot of my friends are criers. (laughs) And so I think I felt comforted in that moment. I think like the friends that left were more acquaintances. So it wasn't, it was like my core group was still there. So it was like, okay, like... I don't know who these people are, to be honest, in the dream, but you know what? They were there. <laughs> and I felt comforted and, and close. And like, there was just this honesty in that moment. There was so much honesty. Like the, the 90s music, I guess like Rena trying to learn my music, despite like the weird moment we had before, you know, it made me feel like it was all love in that moment. And... There was 
I didn't really think about anybody else seeing me cry other than my friends. Like, it wasn't like, oh, no, the principal's going to see or that the the blonde woman who came and walked over me, she's going to come back and tell me to stop crying. There was none of that. It was just, like, a just very vulnerable and, like, just true, tender moment. It was also really nice to have that moment to music. I I get like that about some music. Like, and it's, I don't know, it just happens. I'll be listening, I'll be in Shoppers Drug Mart, and suddenly Sarah McLaughlin is on in the toothbrush aisle. And I'm there and I'm like, oh my God. Like, (laughs) and so, you know, that's, I I think it's just, it's just, yeah, just being totally honest and vulnerable and and not, not ashamed and like comforted. In my real life, <laughs> they're both real. Um, but <laughs> um, in my real life, um, I was working with Luminato and giving them access to my masters. And one of the things I said was, you know, I don't want any of this like leaked before I released the music myself. So I think maybe that showed up in the dream as well. So it's important that like my music is respected, even though I'm like. You know, a leak wouldn't... I don't think it would, like, hurt me, per se, because I'm not that big of an artist yet. But it's still something where it's, like, I hold it close to me, and I I don't... I want to be able to have control over that. So I think maybe that's the other piece of it. At first, when Rena was playing my music and going through my folders, I definitely felt a little taken aback and like this was revenge <laughs> like she's like well you know what you touched my thigh accidentally and I'm going to expose you by playing this music and I was like okay well alright I mean this is I guess in, in my books a level of justice <laughs> um, but then I think I felt very affirmed and validated as I discovered there was like intent to learn the music because then I think there was this moment of, like, we're still friends, but I'm just having a silent moment to myself. And in that moment, I felt like, wow, like, this is really sweet. I I felt like I was building. I felt like, you know, in that moment, like, that was, like, a very communal moment. Like, you know, someone was maybe not in the best way going about making community with me, but, you know, they did it. And, and I felt like to see that and to and to feel very validated in, in that moment, despite all the chaos, like, the music was the thing that grounded and centered this, like, kind of tender moment. Dream Logic is made by me, Elias Campbell, and Sean Sutherland, with producer Victoria Hoare. This episode was produced and edited by Victoria Hoare, with original score by Sean Sutherland. Cover art by Stephen McLaughlin. Special thanks to this week's guest, R. Flex. You can find their music on all streaming platforms. Be sure to check it out. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DreamLogicShow. If you have a dream you'd like to share, email us at dreamlogicpod at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Share the show with a friend. You can also make a donation via our website, dreamlogicpodcast.com, which will help us continue to make the show. Thanks for listening.